podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is David and today we're going to have a look at some of the cheapest starters in game week one. Of course, budget FPL assets are quite often the bedrock of our team. They are what enable big spending elsewhere. And in a week where people are perhaps looking to upgrade Gabriel to Chilwell or some people perhaps getting itchy on Salah, want to find a way to bring him in, budget enablers have never been more important. And so we thought we'd have a look back at what happened in game week one. We spent a lot of time in pre-season trying to accurately predict which uh, budget players in each position so that's 4 million goalkeepers and 4 million defenders 4.5 million midfielders and 4.5 million forwards uh, which of those were most actively involved in game week one which might help us uh, get an accurate picture within a few weeks of who the most reliable starters are in those brackets now before we move on to some detail on that uh, just a quick uh, further announcement that of course we have extended the pre-season prices on fantasy football scout membership so you can save up to 30% with those prices if you sign up now it is never too late to sign up for membership especially when there's another game week deadline coming around the corner and you've got some decisions to make perhaps with your bench or maybe even with your transfers and your captaincy so don't forget to sign up for that uh, before Friday's deadline but yes let's start off by having a look at the goalkeeping department and what happened among the four million options this weekend well we had two starters in this uh, bracket one not so much of a surprise and one feels like uh, a real uh, a bonus that's been thrown to us by David Moyes but let's start with the uh, the least surprising of the two which is of course Matt Turner and not Nottingham Forest. Uh, he had a. He actually made his debut for Forest against his former club Arsenal. Uh, made some good saves as well. And there's a lot of people who are thinking about actually starting him in game week two when. Uh, Nottingham Forest are going to play Sheffield United, who didn't look too good in front of goal uh, in game week one. And of course, it's a week where it's a better fixture for Turner than Anana, Johnston, uh, Pickford, and many of the other um, assets that are a bit more popular uh, in those more expensive uh, positions. Now, how long Matt Turner is going to remain a viable asset in Nottingham Forest does remain to be seen because they have been searching for a new goalkeeper in the transfer window. And of course, their pursuit of Dean Henderson is uh, and, and the, the failed nature of that pursuit is very much uh, why Turner was able to start game week one. And uh, we can't really see anyone else replacing him for the next few weeks, but do keep an eye on what happens in the transfer market to work out whether or not that's going to be a long-term uh, investment for the season. Uh, but the biggest development, arguably, is over at West Ham. We spent a lot of pre-season trying to work out whether or not it would be Fabianski or Ariola who would get the number one jersey. And it was... Perhaps a little bit too tricky uh, for us in the end, although 23% of managers did go with Ariola in the end, just in case. Uh, and what happened was Ariola did get the starting berth against Bournemouth. But what's really interesting is the aftermath of this has, uh, in my opinion anyway, uh, actually solidified Ariola's place uh, in the team. Well, we'll start off with David Moyes' reaction. He was he was asked about um, the decision uh, after the game, and he said, Fabianski has been sensational for us in the time I've been here. The way he goes about his job is tremendous, and everything he does is very, very good but the decision on this occasion was to give Alphonse the chance to take a claim to the number one if you don't play well then you've got somebody else breathing down your neck so very much uh, he's after some competition in the goalkeeping uh, position which you know makes a lot of sense uh, uh, in in the modern world having two number ones at the same club is is not as abnormal as it used to be you just got to look at Arsenal where they've now got Raya and Ramsdale good luck picking between those two 
but what is perhaps the most interesting development is the way that Fabianski took this news. Now, he did an interview, I think it was on Canal Plus Sport, um, I think in Poland. Uh, it, it was an interview that wasn't in English and was translated. And what we've got on the screen right now is a translation of, of what he said in that interview completely publicly and, uh, you know, arguably against any advice from any internal West Ham media people because he said, I took the news, i.e. him not starting, uh, awfully. Uh, being honest, first of all, it was a massive shock. Second of all, the information made me angry. I wasn't mentally ready for something like this. And uh, in some other places he's quoted as saying is he doesn't deserve this kind of treatment, which is incredible scenes, to be honest, to see a player come out and be so publicly against a manager's selection for game week one when he's still a West Ham player. And you would expect slash hope that he's at least trying to get back into the team uh, for game week two. Now, um, could go into intricate detail in terms of uh, the ins and outs of, of how this sort of things happened at West Ham and, and what's going on there. Perhaps leave that for uh, the West Ham uh, podcasters. I'll, I'll, I'll stay out of that debate for now. But the main thing is, is I would be very, very surprised if David Moyes hands Fabianski a start after, you know, speaking so out of turn, um, you know, even if he was right to feel that way, the fact that he's done that in a public interview, just it makes it very difficult for Moyes to start anyone other than Ariola. So I would be very surprised if uh, Ariola somehow lost his place for, for game week two, didn't play too badly. And so I think we can largely rely on Ariola for starts. In terms of whether or not we're going to substitute him in for whoever our first choice goalkeeper is, I think we need to wait to see West Ham's get a little bit better first. And that gives us a bit of time just to see, just to double check that Ariola can uh, get some clean sheets and some saves, etc. But yeah, very interesting developments there. But let's move on to defenders now. Uh, and there was quite a long list of 4 million defenders that started their games in game week one. Some of these not too surprising. Um, I'll just read off the list for the benefit of the podcast listeners. We had uh, uh, Jan Paul. Van Hecker uh, at Brighton uh, played 90 minutes. He's in just 1.3% of teams. Uh, Amin Al Dakil at Burnley, 90 minutes again, 0.6% ownership. Um, and uh, Jordan Bayer, of course, played 73 minutes. He's in 4.8% of teams. Uh, the Burnley man, famously known as Beckon Bayer for the way that he plays. Then at Luton, we had three. We had Mads Anderson and Amari Bell, both playing 90 minutes in the back three. Issa Kabore, uh, uh, just 63 minutes. He's the wing back. He's the more popular. Uh, well, sorry, he's the second most popular of those three. Amari Bell still the most popular at 9.1%, perhaps just because he was in the game before Kabore. Uh, but what we've seen in game week one is that um, so far, Bell is the more 90 minute man. Uh, and then at Sheffield United, we've got George Baldock and Chris Basham, 90 minutes each. Baldock in 15.3% of teams and Basham in 0. Uh, 4%. So let's just quickly go through some of those in more detail then. So on Friday, we saw El Dakil at Burnley. Uh, he played most of the ma most of the match on the left-hand side of the back three for Burnley. But arguably, Bayer was the asset that looked more exciting from a fantasy perspective. He did come off on 73 minutes, but we think that's largely just due to cramp. So not the sort of thing you'd expect uh, every week. But in that game, um, no Burnley player won more tackles or had more interceptions slash clearances than Bayer. Uh, and if you want more information on that, uh, on the specific detail of how he played in that game you can head to the members area and look at the match uh, in a lot of detail because yeah Bayer was was very impressive especially in a game uh, against Man City who uh, you know caused a lot of damage when they attack so I, I personally was very impressed with him and at some point may own uh, Bayer at some point this season 
Sheffield United next. And of course, Baldock is the one taking uh, all the, the plaudits, really, and uh, has done for some time. You know, wing back in a 3 5 2 system, being 4 million and uh, largely being a 90 minute man is, is quite encouraging. And so, in that game for Sheffield United, no teammate in any position, actually, not that's included the midfielders and the forwards as well, no teammate in any position received more passes in the final third, a total of 12. Uh, so, that's uh, exciting to see. Elsewhere with Chris Basham, uh, we potentially <laughs> have another 4 million uh, Sheffield United defender playing out of position in midfield, but I don't think this one is going to uh, catch on quite in so much as uh, John Lundstrom did all those years ago. Uh, he was a bit of a surprise starter in this position, and he, yeah, he was in central midfield. Now, we're not entirely sure why this happened, but we can posit a few guesses. Number one, could have been a specific tactic to perhaps limit uh, Eberre Eze, because of course Basham uh, is actually a centre-back. The difference with John Lundstrom is he was never a defender. He always was a midfielder. So this could have been uh, an instance of just shifting a centre-back into a central midfield role for largely defensive reasons. The other possibility, um, and it could actually be a case of both of these two things, uh, is the fact that they just don't really have that many um, fully fit midf midfielders right now. The departure of Sander Berg hasn't really helped with that either. So they're a little bit short-staffed in that area. Um, but what we're thinking here is that probably uh, this isn't going to last too long because we've got uh, Vinny Souza and Anis Slomani closer to match fitness now. And of course, Gus Hamer has joined to the club as well. So we would largely expect uh, that he would not be getting starts in midfield uh, moving forward. But it's worth keeping an eye on. And finally, uh, from the newly promoted clubs, anyway, we had uh, yeah three of them uh, at Luton, uh, Anderson, Berg, and Kabore and you know Kabore did look good was very quick uh, attacking right wing back three crosses into the box also created a big chance as well but did only last 63 minutes whether or not that was tactical or perhaps you know new player to the team and um, maybe wasn't quite ready to play 90 minutes yet we will uh, have to see worth keeping an eye on uh, again now the only four million defender to start this uh, game week at a non newly promoted side was Jan Paul van Hecker at Brighton he was at the back with Lewis Dunk but again, this looks like one that we largely expect isn't going to last too long because Adam Webster, uh, 4.5 million, uh, is not back yet, but, see, but you know, well, not back to full fitness yet, but it should be soon. And of course, he's largely first choice alongside Dunk in a world where they don't have uh, Colwell anymore. So yeah, I wouldn't get too excited about him just yet because we just need to see what happens when Webster is, is, is back and fully available. And then we can go from there. Uh, of course, with the uh, rotation that we might see uh, with the Europa League's possible, that maybe uh, Van Hecker gets some of the Premier League games and Webster gets the Europa League games. My suspicion is it might be the other way around based on their career trajectory up until this point. But again, it's worth keeping an eye on that. There was a couple of 4 million defenders who came on as substitutes. We had James Hill at Bournemouth. We had Malagusto, uh, who's much talked about in pre-season at Chelsea, uh, and James Tompkins at Palace. Uh, combined, though, those three guys, just 30 minutes. Uh, 15 for Hill, 14 for Gusto, and 1 for Tompkins so yeah don't get too excited about those either midfielders now we had three uh, 4.5 mid uh, 4.5 million midfielders start game week one uh, perhaps uh, the most uh, high profile of those in terms of fantasy potential is probably uh, Carney Chukwomeka at Chelsea he had some good moments down the left-hand side uh, against Liverpool and of course being uh, a winger uh, playing in front of these fullbacks um, it's going to be exciting at times potentially uh, a lot of overlap from that fullback so it's not necessarily uh, quite the same as an attacking winger playing uh, in a team that doesn't have 
fullbacks that attack on the overlap as much as uh, as Chilwell and James do. And so what it meant was that he didn't have a single shot uh, and he didn't create any chances <laughs> in this game. And uh, a lot of the attacking potential actually was taken up by, by Chilwell. He was quite active in and around the penalty box, so he had five touches in there. And so, you know, there's promising signs, but my initial feeling is that... Um, Probably Chilwell is going to steal a lot of the uh, the, just a lot of the stats in that area. the other thing, of course, is we don't know if he's going to be a regular starter. The injury to Nkunku probably helps him initially, but, you know, Chelsea just keep on buying new players, so it's worth keeping an eye on. 80 minutes for him, 3.1% ownership for Chukwameka. Uh, perhaps a more reliable starter, if you're just looking for a 4.5 million fielder who's just going to start every game and maybe not do very much, could maybe find that in the Nakamba. 1.4% uh, ownership for him. He played 90 minutes, but as we've said, basically all summer, you can't really expect anything other than the starts um, he took six shots and had as many key passes as that in 20 appearances last season and he had just three touches in the final third uh, at Brighton but he did play 90 minutes so that's something and then Sasa Lukic at Fulham as well uh, he joined Harrison Reed in the Fulham central midfield and uh, had a decent pre-season um, and uh, largely that's because of the injury to Paulinia um, and when he's back from injury we probably expect him to, to not feature so heavily as well so it really is slim pickings in that 4.5 million midfielder bracket uh, and then of course <laughs> you look at all of these extra ones who um, were substitutes and uh, yeah there's not really much to get excited about Shandon Baptiste at Brentford 18 minutes as a substitute uh, Pape Sarr at Spurs, 15 minutes. Ben Doak, of course, came on for Salah, much to Salah's, uh, uh, you know, trigger in. 13 minutes. Lewis Dobbin at Everton, seven minutes. Uh, Philogene uh, at Aston Villa, three minutes. Andre Brooks at Sheffield United, three minutes. And then we had uh, uh, three other guys at Chelsea, City and Newcastle, one minute each. Uh, Anderson, who was talked up in pre-season, just the one minute, as perhaps was to be expected. McAtee at Man City and Uga Chukwu at Chelsea as well, just one minute. So as I said, slim pickings in the 4.5 million midfielder. And it is very much the same for the forward line as well. We had just one 4.5 million forward start game we won. That was William. Asula at Sheffield United. 90 minutes for him, admittedly. Um, and he actually didn't do too badly. Uh, had an effort... Um uh, he came close with a curling effort uh, towards the end of the game and largely spent a lot of that game just kind of running around and running the channels and uh, outside of that effort um, looked good but wasn't really given too much service which is not too surprising based on how Sheffield United are set up currently. Uh, whether or not he's going to be a long-term starter remains to be seen as with a lot of these guys. Um, you know, we've got Ollie McBurnley and we've got Daniel Jebison. They're out injured so they will be back at some point uh, and we are largely expecting there to be some uh, summer signings in this department towards the end of the the, the uh, transfer window although one of them could be Cameron Archer who is 4.5 million and so maybe he becomes the 4.5 million starting striker uh, at Sheffield United so do have a look for that in terms of the substitutes we had Semenyo uh, at Bournemouth 15 minutes uh, Antoine Hackford uh, also of Sheffield United three minutes and Luton's Corley Woodrow got himself two minutes uh, as a substitute so again not too much to write home about in the forwards department uh, although we think that maybe if Sheffield United can get Cameron Archer, we might have a regular starter in the 4.5 million uh, forward department. So yeah, that uh, is something we will have to keep an eye on and keep our fingers crossed, to be honest. If anybody's got three Aston Villa players like me, um, kind of signed Archer, hoping he would go to Sheffield United. And if he doesn't, I'm locked out of getting Watkins. So hurry up, Sheffield United, sign him. <laughs> sign him quickly and save my team. But yeah. 
hopefully that video was useful for people, especially if you're um, you know, planning a few things for the Game Week 2 deadline, perhaps maybe selling Gabrielle and uh, need to be able to upgrade to Chilwell um, and need a bit of spare money. Some of these guys might be able to help you. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the video, it's not too late to sign up for Scout membership. You can save it to 30% on those preseason prices. We have extended that offer, so make sure you make uh, the most of it. But with that, I will leave you fine, folks, for the rest of your tinkering, and I will see you next time.